Throughout the course of our lives, we go through various changes. Whether it be graduation from school, moving from home, or getting married, we encounter changes. Sometimes those changes are things we call storms, the challenges that life sometimes brings with it. Whether good changes or storms, we know one thing is for sure. Change is inevitable, but our God is constant. In this short three-part series, we plan to talk about things that happen in life and where God is in the midst of all these things. Sometimes God intervenes, and sometimes He doesn't. In this episode of Groundwork, we plan to look at God's unchanging character, as well as His sovereign decision to comfort, encourage, and act on our behalf. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney, and we're excited to kick off a new series, Scott. It's called Change is Inevitable, But God is Constant. And as you just mentioned, Daryl, it's a fairly short series. We're just going to do uh, three programs on this. And in each of them, as always, we'll, we'll dig into the scriptures uh, from both Old Testament and New to see where the promises of God are, that God is with us in all the seasons of our lives, uh, including, as we'll reflect on in this one, in some of the stormy seasons. And through it all, we were hoping that this will provide great comfort for us and and for all who listen, because that's what the faithfulness of God is. It is a profound comfort. It's not like we don't have a shortage of transitions happening all around us. We had a whole lot of things going on. We've had political challenges. We've had racial tensions. We've also had the pandemic that swept the world. And it's been really crazy to see that even one of those things could have been crazy, but we had all three at once. And so during these times, this is actually a great opportunity for us to remember that God is constant, even in these times of uncertain change. And, you know, when things like the pandemic back in 2020 and 2021, you know, when those things happen, one of the things that we all noticed and we almost all commented on is it seemed like everything changed. You could do almost nothing the way you did before, whether right. it's getting groceries or worshiping in church or Almost everything you did changed. That was definitely one of the storms uh, of life, right? But those storms come all the time. Uh, sometimes they're not on a global level, but on a family level, on a congregational level, on a personal level, these things happen. I was thinking about when you said that not only did we have these big global changes, but we had personal storms as well. Mm. When that pandemic was going on, it was hard for us to visit loved ones. We're right. going to be out of town. Everyone had to wear masks all the time. It's just crazy how all these things kind of sacked us at once. And so I was thinking about how times are changing. I brought back this song from Bob Dylan. It's called Times Are Changing. It came out in 1964. And a lot of people, even though it was before my time, there was a lot of people who recognized that song. They seen it in different parts of history. It would emerge during civil rights movement or mm -hmm. even when Apple Computer first established in 1984 uh, because, you know, Steve Jobs was a fan of Bob Dylan. And so he would use this to think, help people to think differently and things like that. So I'm not trying to plug Apple as an advertisement, but I'm just trying to let you know that there are different epochs in human history in the United States. And this song kept popping up because change itself, it actually helps us to think about things that are different, and we have to wrestle with what's going on inside of us when those changes happen. And God's faithfulness is such an important part of Scripture, too, Daryl, because, you know, when, when you think about change, times are a-changing, it was almost sometimes as though change became inevitable when you tried to follow the ways of God. So 
Abram was an old man already. He was pretty rich, uh, living over there in Ur, and he had uh, lots of land and cattle, and God comes to him, and the very first word God speaks to him is, go. Right. That's the first thing God says, go. And what does go mean? Change. And Abraham would never be really settled down again. In fact, many years later, when Sarah dies, he has to negotiate with the Canaanites to buy enough property to bury her because he still didn't have any land. And then the Israelites end up in Egypt, and then they leave Egypt, and then they wander, and then they settle in the promised land, and then they go into exile, and they come back. The story of the Bible is one of of change. And and that's maybe why, Daryl, that there is a a, a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. Some think uh, it may have written by Jeremiah. It comes right after Jeremiah in the Bible. Uh, I'm not sure if Jeremiah wrote it, but it's a book of lament. And one of the things that is lamentable is how changeable our lives can be. Yeah, Scott, when we think about change, I don't think we vocalize what happens internally with us, but we're stretched. We're challenged. We are sometimes pulled to what we would consider our wit's end. It just pushes us out of our comfort zone because we have like a really regular rhythm that we'd like to do things in. And it has us ask a lot of fundamental questions. Where is God? What is happening? What are we doing? And God himself has shown that he's been very faithful out of human history. His character lets us know that he doesn't change. And uh, as you said, uh, Daryl, you hinted at just a minute ago, you know, there are times in the midst of change that we wonder, am I going to make it? Yeah. Are we going to make it? Are we going to get through the pandemic? Are we going to get through this period of political turmoil? Are we, you know, and the Israelites wondered that too. But in the middle of that book of Lamentations, or near the end of it, actually, in chapter three, you get this verse in 22 and 23 of Lamentations three, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And uh, can I remind you of him? Yes. Comes right out of that text. I mean, in those lines of that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, there's no shadow turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. And that is specifically that verse you just mm-hmm. mentioned mm-hmm. Um, that came from Lamentations. But in that word, it says, There is no shadow turning with thee. It's just interesting how that came from James 117. It says, Don't be re- deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Mm. So it's showing a consistency in God's character that we can pretty much build on and hold on to in these uncertain times that you're talking about. And, you know, there's another verse from Malachi. And again, a lot of these prophets were in the time of the exile or just after the exile. And the Israelites surely must have wondered when they were carried off to Babylon in captivity, has God changed? Well, no, uh, they're the ones who changed. They disobeyed God. That's why they got, you know, sent into exile right. for a while. But the prophets want to say to the Israelites, God hasn't changed, right? So Malachi 3.6, where the prophet says, speaking for God here, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and not kept them. But return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. So I'm not changing. I'm still here. Come back to me, and things will be well again, because the God you're going to come back to is the same God you walked away from. I don't change. You do, but I'm still here for you because I still love you. 
So it's great to think about that when things are going great, Scott. But when things are hitting the fan and they're going really badly, this is the time that we actually need to trust in the Lord. So we're going to talk about how the Son of God intervenes in situations that seem tumultuous to us coming up next. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And we're talking about God's constancy through the changes of our lives. And as you said early in the in the program and maybe into the introduction of the program, Daryl, some changes in our lives are good. Um, yes. We graduate. We get married. We have a child. These things introduce major changes in our lives, and sometimes challenges come with them, but they're good things. Um, but you also mentioned that some of the changes in our lives are things that we refer to as almost like a storm has come upon us. Yeah, those are things that interrupt the natural order of things and how our rhythms go. And so anything that brings a change, whether it be good or bad, we have some challenges on how to navigate them sometimes. And there is a particular story that we would like to look at here from Mark chapter four, where Jesus literally calms the storm. And so I'll read it here. It says that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Very interesting passage there from Mark 4. And there's a line in this in verse 35 that near as I can tell, basically no one is sure what it means because we're told that the disciples, you know, uh, this is actually verse 36, they leave the crowd behind, right? Um, and they they take Jesus along to the boat. And then there's a line, they took him just, just as, as he, was. he was. Nobody knows what that means. It's, it's, what do you mean just as he was as opposed to what? I don't know what it means either, but I kind of have this funny feeling that what Mark is conveying there is that Jesus was with them in the boat just as he was, which is the Son of God, right? Uh, And they've already seen him cast out demons in Mark's gospel. They've already seen him do great miracles. They should have known that with Jesus in the boat, they were going to be okay, right? And sometimes the boat is used as a symbol for the church, but they should have known that just as he was meant they're going to be okay. Instead, they think he doesn't care. And then when he does calm the storm, they're like, wow, who was this guy? It's like, (laughs) where you been? He's been showing you this ever since Mark (laughs) 1. 
you know what's crazy about that, Scott, is that I looked at verse 35 and he said, let us go over to the other side. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, let us go under. Yeah. <laughs> so he talked about going over to the other side and the father had a mission for him on the other side. We know he goes to the demoniac on the mm-hmm. other side and he knows his mission and he's sleeping. He's resting in God's plan for his, his life and his mission. But the disciples are seeing the circumstances around them, the wind, the waves, and they're taking on water. And so they asked this very interesting question. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I don't know about you, Scott, but I felt in some times in my life that where is God in this? Is this, why are all these things happening to me? Have I done something wrong? Do I need to repent? Do I have not enough faith to make it? And the the circumstances, they just pile on me so that I feel like, oh, I'm drowning in this situation. I was being a little hard on the disciples a minute ago, but on the other hand, I am those disciples, you know, hello, God, are you paying attention to what's going on down here? Do you see what's happening to my kid? He's in the hospital. Do you see what's happening to mom and dad? You know, do you see what's happening with these racial incidents in our society? Hello, are you paying attention? Don't you care that I'm hurting? Don't you care that I'm in distress? We've all prayed that prayer. Even as uh, Jesus didn't immediately rebuke them for that, I, I think God understands that when we're in a scary situation, when we're really frightened, it's sort of natural to, for us to sort of say, God, are you are you watching? Don't you care? Could you do something? Please heal my child. Help mom and dad. Bring us peace. Don't you care? I think that sometimes our popular culture and our movies kind of give us this impression that Jesus— the son of God is Superman and that he will jump in at the nick of time to intervene before the tragedy, before the emergency so that it doesn't happen to prevent problems, for, to prevent circumstances. But I had to learn when I was a kid that, that Jesus is not Superman and that there are situations that actually will happen. There will be trying times that I have to go through in my life, but it doesn't mean that God isn't able to save. But sometimes he does divinely intervene into things, but then he doesn't always divinely intervene in things. But in this situation with the disciples, Jesus directly addressed the problem and brought the peace that they needed. They had the Lord of creation in in the boat with them. And, you know, two chapters on in, in Mark's gospel in chapter six, a story almost identical to this is going to happen after the feeding of the 5,000. And um, in that case, Jesus is not in the boat with them initially, but he walks on the water. They think he's a ghost. He hops in the boat. Once again, he stills the storm. Second time now. And they're still amazed, right? <laughs> And then Mark has an interesting line in Mark 6 that the reason they were still amazed is because their hearts were hardened. They had not understood about the loaves. In other words, in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus just revealed himself as the great shepherd of the sheep, that he is the Lord of creation. He can take a couple fish and five loaves and feed 5,000 people with them. If he can do that, he can calm a storm, right? But they didn't understand. They still weren't making the connections. But thankfully, you know, we have their honest testimony in something like Mark's gospel so that we can hopefully make the connections that... If Jesus is in the boat with us, somehow, some way, he is able to speak a calming word. Not always immediately, right? And he doesn't head off the storm in the first place. Doesn't mean he sent it either, but he's here. And that should give us comfort. Also with that, Scott, there are two extremes that some believers 
fall into. They either believe that God is directly involved in everything. He's helping me find a parking space at the mall or he's not involved in anything. And then that means that we have to, we're left to our own devices and we have to figure it out because he's not paying attention. He's not intimately involved in our lives. I don't think it's either or in that situation, but in the times of trouble, we're really asking the question, where is God and how is he involved in this situation? We know that he's not the author of evil because in James, it says that he is not attempting he is not the one who brings evil on you, nor does he tempt anyone. Mm-hmm. And the good father brings good gifts from above. We do need to understand that he is directly involved and he cares enough to do something about it in our situations and problems. Exactly. He's not aloof, right? He's not afar off, uh, even though Jesus is asleep in the boat. You kind of <laughs> love that, right? I mean, the storm isn't bothering him. But even though he's asleep in the boat, he's still in the boat and he's, he's available to them. And, and that's something we need to remember, too. Whether the storm is calmed immediately as here or we have to ride it out for a while, God never leaves us. He's always in the boat with us. He has promised that. I will be with you always, surely, to the end of the age, Jesus said at the end of Matthew's gospel. He's always in the boat with us. So as changeable as our lives are, much though we don't like storms, the comforting presence of God with us uh, and God's ability to step in and bring relief is a great comfort. And as we close out this program, uh, Daryl, we want to talk a little bit more about that and about how we can learn to cope with those storms, knowing God is with us, but in different situations, how can our faith be bolstered? So stay tuned. What does it look like to honor and serve God in your marriage and family? Visit FamilyFire.com to discover how you can better live out your faith in the context of your relationships. At FamilyFire.com, you'll find articles and devotions curated to encourage you to stoke the Holy Spirit's flame in your home. You'll also find an online community that can help you explore what it means to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in your family as a spouse, parent, or even an in-law. Join the community and be encouraged at FamilyFire.com. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork. And so far uh, in this episode, in this three-part series about God's constancy through the changes of our lives, we've talked about change in general. Uh, We talked about God being unchangeable. God is the same. And we just looked at a story, um, and we're reminded of some other similar stories of uh, storms, literal storms on the Sea of Galilee. But now we want to think a little bit about, you know, how knowing that Jesus is in the boat with us, as we just said knowing that God doesn't change, knowing that God can and often does intervene, how does that encourage us in different parts of our lives and of our walks of discipleship? Both of the storm passages that you mentioned, Scott, they are stories to us and they are metaphorically extended to our times. But I found that in times of uncertainty, it might be very helpful. I know it's been very formative for me to return back to the basics. And so there's a couple of things that I thought were very important and formative to me. And one of them is, of course, prayer. I'm not going to tell you anything new here. These are reviewing and things that we have had held dear for years. I always start my prayers the same way, Scott. My prayer starts by saying, 
God, I thank you for being in complete control of every situation. You're not in heaven twiddling your thumbs, wondering what's going to happen next, but you know exactly what you are doing. You had a date on the calendar for this very moment. You're the author and the finisher of my faith and also the sustainer of it, and you're faithful to complete the work you started in us. Now, that is laden with scriptures that are very dear to me, and they anchor me because it helps me to remember that God is in control and that before I even ask for anything, to recognize that God is above all of these things that really are perplexing me and that he can help. You know, we often think of prayer um, or worship or our singing. We often think of it as only expressive. We're expressing ourselves. That's what we do when we pray. I'm expressing myself to God. That's what we do when we worship. We express our praise. But uh, one of the things that uh, we often talk about at the Worship Institute that I'm associated with at Calvin University is that prayer and song and worship are not just expressive, they're also formative. Yes. In other words, how you pray and how you hear others pray forms you as a disciple. And so, Daryl, to pray the way you pray, to pray those words that you just mentioned, and you do that on a regular basis, that gets down in your bones, yeah. right? And that that starts to form how you see the world and, and how you see God in the midst of, of change. And that happens in the public assembly. It also happens when you read God's word. And so scripture is another way for us to be formed in, and literally reoriented, retrained and reminded of God's character. When we look at verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, the plans and the thoughts that I have for you, the plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you hope and a future. Like God is saying that to Jeremiah to remind him the plans are not done yet, even though you guys are in exile and we may feel exiled by our problems and our situations. And even if we don't know the plans, we know the planner. And if the planner has our best interest at heart, then I think we're going to be okay. And, you know, meditating on scripture and a verse like that one or, or so many other verses, you know, where, where we are encouraged to train our eyes on Jesus, keep our eyes on God. Those things are in Scripture. The Holy Spirit got those things written down for lots of reasons, not least of which is that we can rehearse them. We can revisit them. We can read them slowly and aloud in our devotions. So this too gets down in your bones, right? You know, how many people have testified through Scripture memorization? One of the first programs we've done together on Groundwork, Daryl, you talked about how important Scripture memorization has been to you. Sometimes when you don't have access to the Bible, these verses come back to you, yes. right? And you're reminded of God's presence. Uh, and, and great hymns and songs come back to you. I mean, uh, the first time I ever had a CAT scan, I'd always heard people in my congregation tell me, you know, I, sometimes I sing in there or the songs of the faith come back to me and I'm not so scared to be in, the, in that x-ray tube. It happened to me too when I had one done one time. It's like, wow, that really does help. Yes. Um, if that stuff gets deep in you, then God's constancy uh, and his abiding presence with us in the boat, to use the image from the previous segment, is so rich. When you have songs that are rich in lyrics, mm-hmm. That are laden and undergirded by scripture. I was thinking about a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like songs like Hold On to God's Unchanging Hand, which specifically talks about how time is filled with swift transition. But we need to build our hopes on things eternal by holding on to God's unchanging hand. They remind us of God's character. They remind us that he's never going to leave us nor forsake us and that his character is eternal. And we have these things 
to remind us, even when we can't pick up our Bible because we're in a situation, we can be encouraged. And I think we can encourage each other in the church too, Daryl. I think one thing, you know, in in our reform tradition, we we've, we've had a tendency that only the preacher does most of the talking in worship, right? You're rarely in the old days, particular, you're rarely heard from anybody else. But there's such a strong component to testimony, to yes. hearing others testify to God's faithfulness through their storms and how God intervened in their lives or how God assured them of their presence in the wee hours of the night when their child was sick in the hospital. We hear each other's testimonies, and that, too, builds us up. So at Madison Church, where I'm pastoring, we have a time in the service that's called Joys and Concerns, where we're able people can celebrate and thank God for how he's brought them through situations, but also they can share their prayer requests. When the body of believers of people get together, we can encourage one another in ways that will be very edifying to one another. And this is the thing that I think is most important for us to remember, is that God is able to intervene in practical situations. God is constant. Our lives change, but God does not change. He's always with us. He's been there in the past. He's with us right now, and he'll be there in the future. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We hope you'll join us again next time as we seek to better understand the nature of God's peace. And through this study, reaffirm again that God remains constant in our lives, no matter how crazy, painful, or upside down the situation and changes of our lives feel. Connect with us at our website, groundworkonline.com, and there you can share what Groundwork means to you, and we'd love to hear suggestions for what you would like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information and to find more resources to encourage your faith. We're your host, Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacobs.